Florida still has a lot of empty land and a lot of interest for people to come and move in and to live, which opens up the opportunity for hotel businesses, you know, the retail business, the multifamily business, and also industrial. In this episode, we have Paul Dean France, Vice President of Strategic Investments at FIP Commercial. Paul Dean specializes in streamlining the process of retail hospitality brands and multifamilies in the US via South Florida, Miami. She's a licensed agent who focuses on property repositioning, tenants outreach, site selections, and pre-development planning that specializes in multifamilies, hotel industry, and land leasing. Paul Dean started Neo Habitus Consult. It's a real estate consulting focus on redevelopment, executing cost-effective plans for companies who want to invest in South Florida. Today, we will discuss the upcoming trends in Miami and why you should listen to locals before investing in a new area. All this and much more up next. Real estate investing is changing, but there are people evolving and thriving. In this podcast, we'll listen to their stories and hopefully learn from them. I am dedicated to creating a life where I can create multiple passive income and doing something I love along the way. To me, the most important part is doing significant work and create great relationships along the way. For those that want to invest in passive income multifamilies, email me at abio@abiobiestados.com. My name is Abio Biestados. I am a real estate investor and entrepreneur, and I want to help you live the real estate life. Welcome to the Real Estate Life Podcast. Welcome to the Real Estate Life Podcast. Today on the show, we have a very special guest. Dean France. She is the Vice President of Strategic Investments. She spearheaded the FIP branding and sales strategy initiative aimed at streamlining the process of retail, hospitality brands, and multifamilies in the U.S. market via South Florida, Miami. She's a licensed agent. She focused on property repositioning, tenants outreach, and site selection, pre-development planning, and the specialties of multifamily hotel industry and land leasing. Paul Dean, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. So I'll, go, I'll get straight to it. So can you give the listeners a little bit of background of yourself and how you got started into real estate? Um, believe it or not, I landed in it uh, accidentally. So I was uh, I studied political science and economics and I have a master's in international political strategy. Still a major fan of politics and history. Um, uh, I was a state department intern, uh, straight out of my undergrad in 2001. Yeah. It's been a while now. Um, (laughs) and, uh, while I was working, uh, between the white house and various other consulates in West Africa and in Canada, um, let's say I was disillusioned, right? Because, uh, you put in a lot of work with barely any money. And, um, once you go into politics and government, the idealism that you have when you're in school um, tends to go away, if you will. So I took a summer job. I came back home um, prior to my second year for my master's degree. And uh, my parents, being a good Caribbean, West Indian parents that they are, were like, okay, you're not just going to sit around and read a bunch of books. You need to get a job. You're either going to work in family business which was import export of uh, medical supplies and medicine into the Caribbean, or you're going to get another job. I really didn't have any interest in pharmaceuticals uh, or in wholesale of medical supplies. So uh, 
kind of, uh, you know, at the time there wasn't really just looking online on LinkedIn or indeed for jobs. I opened up the paper and I found a real estate development company looking for an executive assistant. I said, cool. It's going to be, you know, five, six hours a day. I'm going to work four days a week and then that'll give me time to breathe. And I'll go back to DC and work. Well, it turns out I didn't go back to DC. Um, <laughs> finished my master's courses at uh, Florida International University while working there. Um, I quickly came out of the executive assistant role and started working as the right hand to both uh, partners uh, whom were developing this uh, large mixed-use property and fell in love with it. Um, there's something about... Um, seeing a decaying building or a forgotten building or just an empty, ugly piece of land or unused piece of land and seeing it become something. Yeah. And um, that was in 2001, 2002. And now in 2021, <laughs> 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 I'm a senior, senior executive in commercial real estate. And so um, uh, still fascinated by governance and history and politics, but um, as many uh, students who have gone to college and studied one thing, I actually ended up working. Yeah, that's so. awesome. Not, not everyone ha shares that vision, though, to see a project, you know, in, in those types of condition and seeing it. I, I mean, I, when you mentioned that, I started just thinking about that's the same way I feel about real estate. When you, you have the vision of this empty space or this project that just needs a lot of work or a neighborhood that you see upcoming and just creating that vision when someone shares it with you, like an investor does or a client does, it just, it, it just takes off and seeing that from the beginning to the end, it's awesome. Right. So I, I get, I get how you got that, the real estate buzz. I, I get how it happened to you. Right. Now, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the reason why I love what, what I do. And I, I want to talk about this new venture, this new company that you created. I just so happens that you've you created this company during COVID that's called Neo Habitus. You know, it's, it's pretty interesting. I was looking at, at what the business is about and, and the opportunity that you saw and the demand that there is for investors and what you created. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Okay, yeah. Uh, so like many others, COVID slowed down business, right, uh, early on. Obviously, we know that COVID has affected Miami a little bit differently than other markets. But at the time, no one knew what was going to happen. Uh, I was fortunate enough to still be working, but on a lot less. And as someone who spent many years working in New York, I'm used to a certain speed or at least a, a, a certain intensity of work. And I needed to find um, an outlet for keeping myself a little bit busier. Uh, early on during COVID, so March last year, April last year, uh, or during the quarantine, I started getting a lot of phone calls from uh, clients that I worked with in the past, uh, whether it was Spain, Italy, uh, the UK, LA, New York, whatever, but uh, primarily a bunch of groups that were not in uh, based in Miami-Dade County or had just experienced um, South Florida from a vacation perspective a week, two weeks. And they were looking to understand how COVID affected uh, South Florida. And uh, some of them were looking, or not looking yet, they were inquiring as to what the advantages would be in moving or opening up, uh, 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 putting a new footprint in South Florida. 
probably because the taxes are lower. Um, a lot of people uh, see Miami as a cheaper market, um, something that isn't truly accurate. Cheap no, would not be not a, associated not anymore, with Miami. Not anymore. <laughs> no, uh, not, not for a while now, but yeah. opportunistic, certainly. Yeah. Um, and years of me giving people free advice or me consulting on the side during COVID, I said, you know what? There seems to be a lot of questions having to do with South Florida and some having to do with the entire state of Florida. So I need to formalize this. And I said, what well, really, what is, what is, what are these people looking for? What are these groups looking for? And um, really the issue that they were having is that Miami is a little bit of a tricky market, Florida in general, because um, anyone who's lived in Miami or knows Miami or South Florida understands that we we behave, our market functions a little bit differently than other major states in the United States. And um, certainly so compared to other cities around the world. Why? Because we are the gateway to Latin America. Uh, a lot of groups understand the um, value of being connected or opening up a line of communication with Latin America, but still unclear on how that works, right? There's also the fact that it is an American city. So um, you still have the advantage of um, the perks of what America offers for new business. And then there's also the fact that uh, Florida still has a lot of empty land and a lot of interest for people to come and move in and to, leave, to live, which opens up the opportunity for uh, hotel businesses, you know, the retail business, the multifamily business, and also industrial. So what were they missing? Eyes and ears. Uh, the reason why I was getting so many questions was because they didn't really fully understand South Florida as a whole. They understood South Beach. Some understood Aventura, some understood West Palm Beach and even Orlando because they brought their kids to Disney. But they didn't understand from a business owner perspective, from an investor perspective, why should I go into the market? Why so many people have interest in going to that market? Why is that a city that's bigger than just the port of Miami and cruises and nightclubs and hotels? And so I was giving all of this advice and, and uh, realized that many of these companies wanted eyes and ears because as we've realized and many companies have realized that it costs quite a bit to have your team fly into a place and even flying in regularly, you might not quite understand it. So what Neo Habitus offers is basically um, someone that you're not paying full-time, you're not paying health benefits and such, it's a cost benefit, but someone who also has your entrepreneurial, your perspective uh, in mind. We advise on whether or not the micro market you're intending on going in actually fits the brand. Um, we give reports on other markets that might be of interest, uh, who lives there, the demographics, the local perspective that you might not get from just Googling, uh, how people move, what they're spending on, what's the hot spots, what's coming up that hasn't been published yet. So, um, you get to have this person that is like an outsourced person for your company that does the legwork that you don't have to um, spend a plane ticket on or stay on constant Zoom calls for. Uh, so that's really what it is. Yeah, so it, I mean, that's pretty cool. I, I, I get everything that you're saying. And when, when you think about um, like the trends and spotting the neighborhoods and the cultures and 
I, I remember very clearly when Wynwood wasn't what it is right now. And great example. Now you're really late. I mean, there's still opportunity, but for a different level of investor. Uh, right. And I remember, I would say 10, 12 years ago when Alipata uh, was starting to come up. Now you might be a little late in Alipata and all these warehouses have been bought up. Uh, so having, having someone that understands the local uh, trends and neighborhoods, uh, I could see that opportunity where you spotted it. Um, so, so I'm an investor. I'm from, from, not from South Florida. Uh, but I do want to get in into South Florida, specifically, I would say Miami. Uh, what is the first thing I should do when I contact you? What, before I just say, Aldine, uh, I want this. I want to open a multifamily uh, in South Florida. What do I need to have before I come and see you to make your life easier? Well, two things. One, your identity has to be clear, right? Um, I'm not here to help create what your company should be. Um, so one of the difficult things is you have certain people who are, let's say they own a bunch of warehouses in let's say Texas, right? And they come to Miami and they say, well, we want to buy shopping centers and we want your guidance on shopping centers. Okay. Well, the first thing is understanding, are you prepared to own and manage shopping centers? And what do you understand about that? So knowing who you are, how much risk you're willing to take, uh, what your business strategy is, whether you're focused on cash flow, where you're focused on land banking, whether you're focused on the appreciation of the property or a combination of these things, you've got to kind of have an intention. You don't need to know the market for that. You just need to know really in the end, what am I trying to get um, out of this? Secondly, you've got to know what your budget is, right? Um, because like the example you gave, Winwood. Um, I've gotten the phone calls of, hey, I want to buy, you know, I heard Winwood is hot. I went there, you know, two years ago for Art Basel. I want to buy warehouses and I want to buy those warehouses to store our lumber. Okay. Well, at the price point that Winwood is at right now, warehouses are not warehouse use. <laughs> 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 if you're not if you're not converting them into <laughs> into retail or knocking it down to build something else, yeah, um, yeah. you might want to look at another market to just sit and park a bunch of wood. Trust me, yeah, Winwood's yeah. not the place for you. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's um, you store <laughs> million dollar paintings now. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, yes, there are yeah. a few warehouses still remaining, but yeah. at the price that you're buying them, the price of land, I mean, depending on where you are in Wynwood, anywhere from 400 to $650 a square foot, that's not warehouse purchase prices yeah. for just parking something. So you have to know, um, you have to know what you're going to do, but then at the same time, you've got to know what your budget is. Okay. Yeah. Because the budget it, those two things, your budget and what your intents are, is really going to determine where you can go. Uh, the belief that Miami is a cheap place and that it's open to all in every place and only the places you've heard of are the places you want to go in. As long as you have a mentality like that, you're going to be you're going to have people searching in the market for a really long time for a unicorn that doesn't really exist. Or if it does exist, it'll be one and there's going to be a thousand different groups vying for the same one. And so the chances of you buying it at ask is not going to happen. It's probably going to be a bid process. So, um, so you're going to have to pay a premium in order to get it. Is so, that what you're ready to do? So, so forget Winwood. Let's say I come up to you, Paul, Paul Dean. I, I want, give me a, a, 
give me a market where I where I could I could get in now. I know it's not going to be cheap because it's not it's not cheap anymore. But where I could could ride a wave of a trend that the majority are not seeing in South Florida. Give me like a neighborhood or market that you love that you see a trend happening uh, where you would say you need to take a look at this. This is what's happening here. I know this market. In Miami-Dade County, I'd say it's Homestead and Opelika. I'm highly bullish in both of those markets. Um, They're not sexy addresses. They're not the addresses that are in your tribal guides. And they're not the places where when you're coming in for vacation, you're going to book a hotel in. Absolutely true. But from an appreciation and cash flow point of view, those are my favorite markets for Miami-Dade County. uh, would you like for me to tell you why or stop there? <laughs> I, I wanted to, I want you to tell me uh, Homestead, I, Homestead, I agree with you 100%. Opalaka, you got to convince me on that one. So I, I'll let you do that one. Okay. Well, in Opalaka, uh, Opalaka is a little bit more ahead than where Homestead is right now. Like so it really that. depends um, what the person or group's uh, holding strategy is. But Opalaka in many parts are going through a rezoning where industrial is now becoming commercial use where you have um, height restrictions that are now being lifted for higher buildings. Yeah. You also have a lot of companies that are looking at Opalaka. So a lot of the people that have been priced out of Alapata that you mentioned earlier, um, Hialeah and Opalaka, uh, and Miami Gardens are the next favored areas. First of all, you've got um, the Turnpike, uh, the 826, the Palmetto that goes uh, through those areas. They give great trans- transportation opportunities straight to the airport. Um, but also you have companies like Amazon that have uh, decided to put major distribution centers there. And um, per my understanding, these distribution centers will hire each anywhere from 2,000 to 3,000 people. Yeah, Those I people are going to need homes. Massive, massive. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Ab- absolutely, absolutely. And Opalaka still puts you very close to the key area, the key urban core areas of Miami. Homestead's a little bit further, right? No, um, but from Opalaka, oh yeah, that. absolutely. That you have the Opalaka airport, correct. Yeah. Right. So, um, and by the way, you do have train tracks that run through Opalaka as well. Okay, so if you're doing transportation by train, that's also another great opportunity. And so that's the industrial perspective. But past the industrial perspective, that's building an office opportunity um, because many of those companies are needing offices in order to oversee their import, export, or their transit uh, of their products from that area. And that's opening up retail opportunity and that's opening up uh, multifamily opportunity. So what Alapata was five to seven years ago is what now Opalaka is now. That's nice. And, oh, absolutely. Hialeah, um, Hialeah is feeding Opalaka right now. Alapata is feeding uh, Opalaka. I mean, at, at one point you could lease a warehouse at eight bucks a foot um, in Opalaka, five bucks a foot even, or a gross rent. So you could get 2000 square foot warehouse at $2,000 a month. Now you're looking at 15, 20 bucks, triple net. Um, and, yeah. and some of those areas are being, uh, some of those areas are it also went through rezoning and they became, they're now, uh, being, you know, condos and apartment buildings yeah. are being yeah, put yeah. up. So uh, those people who saw their leases expire, and new terms coming in at a much higher price, they're saying, okay, well, what's the next best area for me to go into? 
And a lot of them have decided that Opalaka is the best option because although it's 15 minutes a little bit further north, it's not 40 minutes further south like Homestead is. Correct. Correct. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that. I mean, I've only ran a few multifamily deals uh, in the last year in Opalaka. And the rents are, are still on the lower end in the Miami side. So, I, yeah, so I could see that. Um, and I do agree with you. Homestead is very south. Uh, yeah. and, and the connections to Homestead, US-1, get clogged up. There's not enough arteries that connect you. It's, yeah, I, I could see how Opalaka has so many entries that make it convenient. You know, I'm a local, I'm a local, uh, I grew up here. So you just gave me a, you just gave me a great <laughs> advice on that. I'm open up right. <laughs> so I, I like that advice on Opalaka. And yeah, Homestead is definitely, uh, you could just drive by Homestead and just see the, just the amount of new construction development just going on. Um, some say Florida City is the next one after Homestead, but that's so down south that, you know, still has that's a lot to go. way down south. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's, uh, uh, thank you for that advice. So. I just want to, Paulina, I, I see that you have so, so much experience in commercial, uh, but I also want you to give us some advice uh, to investors uh, that kind of have a perspective on things that are happening in South Florida. And sometimes they just get the wrong advice from, from people who are not in the industry. Tell me a little bit about advice that you would give investors on their perspective. Okay. Well, that's a hard question to answer because it's hard to give anyone that's established any type of advice on their perspective. I would say um, of all the clients, maybe 10, 15% are actually coming to you um, for local information. Unfortunately, oh, more unfortunately, actually for the investor themselves, is that they're well established in other markets, even if it's within Florida, uh, Orlando or Tallahassee, and they come down to South Florida and they have a preconceived notion, like I mentioned earlier, that it's kind of like this fun place where billions and millions are flowing all over the place and everything is just so, so cheap. Again, the word I keep hearing are discounted or there's so many deals that are possible down here. And the learning curve for that can be very difficult um, because obviously someone who's established has gain uh, some level of success by going with their gut and making certain types of decisions, right? But many times they forget that when they started uh, and when they entered into those other markets that they're in, um, there were several people that had to kind of guide them along the way. Uh, 20, 30 buildings in or 20, 30 investments in um, I get people who come to South Florida and they say, no, I totally get it. I've been coming to South Beach for years and I know exactly what to do and I know what areas I need to go into. And um, I find that highly unfortunate because uh, us in commercial real estate, I can't speak for residential people, but in order to be in commercial, you need to have a great deal of experience, um, not just in the transaction aspect for it, you know, buy, sell. Uh, you have to understand leasing as well, right? How much people are willing to pay per square foot to rent a certain place. Uh, to a certain degree, you also need to understand some zoning, some construction. Um, you have to be able to understand some uh, market trend data. And you have to also have your own gut feeling because you've observed it over the years. You drive by that area and you've seen where it is going, uh, going to and be able to communicate that information. So, Really, you could only give as much guidance as someone is willing to accept. Right. Uh, that's really the simplified answer for your question. I'll, um, I'll, touch, I'll touch on that because um, uh, you know, here at our company, SAR Apartment Capital, we buy outside of Florida and we 
we're ex we consider ourselves expert in in large apartments and when i buy in a, in a city in a different state i don't try to act like i know what's going on there like i look for experts in there and i've had some other investors like why are you why are you spending money on a local broker over there aren't you a broker why don't you just do it yourself or why don't you sell that property yourself like i hire other brokers that are experts in my field locally to give me advice specifically on okay this is what the rents are and you know i i, I would review it this is what your comparables are i don't try to say i'm an expert in town so you got to let the experts locally do what they do they know what the real price is sometimes you know we'll took a quick glance at you know a co-star report to see what the rents are and the data might not be that accurate sometimes these reports are not 100 percent accurate they might be too low or they might be too aggressive i find them sometimes to be too low and you might miss out an opportunity to get real actual rents that the locals know it's happening like they right. know that that spot there you could get much more than what you're thinking and you might miss out on a deal i've made that mistake i've lost deals lowballing an offer because i didn't take the advice of so the local expert said you could get this price there trust me on this and i'm like i don't see the data like the reports are not saying that but they knew they were showing me like their, the 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 comparables properties they knew because they were they were part of the transaction and i've lost deals to that so sometimes i you gotta listen sometimes or most of the time you should listen to your experts so i agree with you on that 100 percent. now Paldine, can you can you give listeners how they could get in contact with you especially if they they want to find the property uh in south florida uh in these neighborhoods that you mentioned, because I'm definitely going to hit you up on Opalarga. Uh, now that you mentioned that. <laughs> well, tell them how they could get in touch with you. Well, if it's a conversation about uh, strategy or mm -hmm. education on the market or just kind of uh, touring and, and uh, helping um, guide what direction to go into and actually manage the guiding process from conceptual to execution, then obviously, uh, neohabitus.com. Uh, you can write us there. I'm also available on LinkedIn, Paul Dean France, first name P-A-U-L-D-I-N-E. I'm sure my name will be there somewhere on the bottom or at the top. Um, I respond to all uh, LinkedIn messages and I can be reached directly by phone at 305-761-5950 as well. Perfect. Um, uh, uh, I respond within 36 hours at most. Adina, I have to now to end the, end the show with uh, what does financial freedom mean to you? I ask all my listeners that and I just like to get their perspective. And what does that mean to you? Financial freedom to me means I could be on a beach anywhere on the world, open up my laptop and look at my cash flowing assets um, from there. That's what that <laughs> That's what financial freedom is to me. With my family, with friends, even with my dog, my, my French bulldog, <laughs> by my side on a beach, uh, drinking whatever local cocktail there is, <laughs> opening up my laptop um, when I have some free time and actually uh, seeing the uh, cash returns on some great decisions. That's, your, that's your, really what it is. Your, your face was glowing when you were, when you were explaining that. Oh, the moment I say beach, listen, when you're when from you the Caribbean, beach, the moment the word beach comes up, that is pure joy and happiness. Right? Just sitting in an office under air conditioning, you know, that's, that's a means to an end. But the beach is what the goal is full time. Yeah. 
percent. Yeah, you just put me there too. I was like, well, I beat you. Yeah. That was awesome. All right, Claudine, thank you for your time. Thank you for all the advice you gave us. That was awesome. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Life Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to reach out to me, please go to my website, www.ablbiesteros.com.